You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Waiting in the middle, and Jancic put a decent ball in. It's a deep one. Up goes McKenna, hit it back across, gone to the net. Kevin McKenna with the equaliser for Hearts. It's one all, and scenes of absolute joy in the away end. Hello, and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Now ten games unbeaten, and on a bit of a a bit of a Kai rolls at the moment. Yeah. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. So, so I made a last minute decision, as you know from last week, to to come over to fly over from the states for the Hibs game. I just told my wife I was going to see my family, which was, of course, um, hard to me. Well, yeah, well, she's like, Hearts aren't playing, are they? I said, I don't know, I'll need to check. Um, but I wasn't expecting to be in the country when, when Livingston took on Hearts on Sunday, and I bloody nearly was. I was sitting on the uh, in the departure lounge on Friday, ready to come back, uh, and the flight was cancelled. Oh, no. I was working Sunday morning, so I had to be back. Thankfully, I got back on, on Saturday, but yeah, a, a wee bit nervy shall we say. So I, I was able to watch the highlights of, of Livy. I was calling our match at the same time, Atletico Madrid. And um, that pitch looks like it gets worse and worse every single time. And it was no surprise that a lot of players have complained about it as well. But yeah, nil-nil draw keeps us going. Could have won it, could have lost it, got a point, keeps the momentum going. And it sets us up nicely for the game against Rangers this midweek. Certainly does. We will talk about the Livy game, maybe briefly about the Rangers game as well. Uh, but we are joined this week by a third person, a special guest. We're very pleased to have on the podcast this week, Jerry Mallon, who is chairman of the Foundation of Hearts. And I think now you call yourself a Hearts fan, wouldn't you, Jerry? I am a hardcore jumbo. I definitely seem <laughs> a pseudo member of the Gorgie Ultras. Oh. <laughs> Give us a song, Jerry. <laughs> oh, oh no, no! I'll, I'll, I'll stick the bang in the drum. <laughs> yeah, don't. I've, I've already. Um, yeah, you put People through enough of that with the Toby Civic song that I had to. I gave a rendition of it purely to update you on the words, Mark. That ah, was an educational. Okay. Um, are, an educational are you one and done now? Song. Yeah, that's Laurie. it. Okay, yeah, good. the complaints were raining in, so I had to. <laughs> Um, but thanks for joining us, Jerry. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We, we will talk about um, Foundation of Hearts, your journey there, and the, the kind of what the future might hold for for you in the position of chairman and the F- Foundation of Hearts itself. Um, how have you found things this season so far from a from a football perspective on the park? I, look, I feel I feel incredibly pri- privileged to be watching what I am watching. 
the performances of the team, particularly since the World Cup break, have just been outstanding. I feel privileged to be part of the the journey of the European campaign that we've seen. And, you know, you can just see the team growing in strength and growing in confidence week on week. So, uh, I, like, I just I just feel really, really lucky. And you mentioned the Gorgie Ultras. Um, obviously, they're just one part of the, the fan base, but they, they kind of epitomise the feeling around hearts just now don't they there's a real togetherness and a a really a really positive atmosphere which will feed in to obviously to your side of things in the foundation as well but it just feels like a good time doesn't it to be following the team i think europe has been a tremendous catalyst just for people to come together and feel good about supporting hearts Uh, i think some of the atmospheres that we saw on the ground before uh, europe and like that dreadful rangers game that we had uh in when was it november yeah. uh was uh was was kind of the the real uh down point and and i think all of those together when we see what great atmospheres there can be in europe when we come together and think about what hearts should feel like i think has been has been a real turning point both on and off the pitch yeah, very good time to to be a jambo just now and hopefully it'll continue um for a long time to come we will talk, we will talk to Jerry uh, about but his journey as I mentioned and the foundation of hearts shortly we are going to talk about Livingston uh, at the weekend just past as well and uh, we might just get to the times that you went above and beyond you hearts fans to get to the game which we asked for contributions for a few weeks ago and we've had a few messages and whatever other directions the podcast may go in over the next hour or so <laughs> You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. First up, let's talk Livingston against Heart of Midlothian, which took place on Sunday afternoon, part of Sky Sports' big doubleheader, a super Sunday north of the border. And um, I don't know who would say it failed to live up to expectations. I think the game was probably what most people who have watched Scottish football and know the teams and the fixtures uh, will have been expecting a a game that um, is similar to what we actually got in the end. But looking at the teams, Mark, five changes uh, to the side that beat Hebs. Um, Smith and Snodgrass not involved in the starting 11, but we understand largely due to the pitch, although Smith was carrying an injury as well. Akira Mertzoglu came in for his first start since the last time we played Livingston, 11 weeks prior. Um, since then, he'd only played, well, he hadn't even played 30 minutes of football. Yutaro um, mm. Oda got his first start. Atkinson, a first start since he faced Killian Mbappe on the 22nd of November. <laughs> Humphrey's a first start since mid-October when he went off injured. Uh, Robbie Nielsen did confirm so there had been a little bit of an illness in the camp. Uh, it was a game where a lot of things came together which showed Hearts, um, uh, well, gave Hearts a very changed team, didn't it? It gave opportunities to a few players who haven't had a look in recently. It did, and I think there was one eye on the Rangers game in midweek as well. Plus, most importantly, the reason for the likes of Snodgrass and others not playing was because... At their age and their bodies, you shouldn't have to play on what is ultimately green-coloured cement. When I was growing up, I remember Luton Town at Kenilworth Road and QPR at Loftus Road. 
had what they called a carpet. You could maybe play bowls on it, but you wouldn't play football on it. And then you see a goal that was scored by Kelty Hearts at the weekend at Montrose on a surface that looked amazing. And it was plastic, but it was just so much better. Come on. I mean, we've got so many issues in Scottish football with governance. But if you're allowing something like that, and it's hard to take anything away from Livingston because what they've done with with what they have to spend, and I think it's been been great. They do have an advantage though with that pitch, and it's horrible for for the opposition to play on. But we do, and they have to play on grass when they come to us. And that lineup suggested that there was one eye on Rangers, and there was also the issue with the pitch um, for Snodgrass and others. And the other thing is as well when you've got a strong squad that Hearts have got. I know we're unbeaten. Um, but you've, you've got to give others a chance because they've got to yeah. be ready when called upon. Jerry, you, you're obviously involved in the the, the club now. Um, in terms of these pitches, is that something that's on the agenda for the likes of Hearts? And we've heard Snodgrass, Stephen Humphreys come out again talking about these plastic pitches and how they shouldn't be allowed. Obviously, that's their personal opinion. A lot of fans aren't too happy about them. I mean, there are plastic pitches and then there is a Livingston pitch, to be honest. And I think Mark's right. You know, Livingston have, have overachieved tremendously. What they've done with the budget, what David Martindale's done is terrific. However, that doesn't take away from the fact that that surface is just, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, for a top flight game in Scotland? The pitch was a disaster. I mean, it looked like you were playing on a car, a car park. You know, you can see the bounce on the ball and, uh, and, and how it slowed down in the middle of the park. It was, it was really appalling. But as you say, you know, there's plastic pitches and there's plastic pitches. And I, I watch a lot of the Hearts women's games at the Orium, which mm-hmm. is also plastic, and it's completely different. You know, it's it's a high quality pitch. So you know, as 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 Mark said, the you know Montrose, it's it's a very different, uh, very different proposition. So it's not. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's about banning banning plastic pitches altogether, but there should be some kind of quality check. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a I mean, market. Reminds me of when you used to play. It's been a while since I've played fives, um, yeah. but you used to go down to World of Soccer, and you know your legs mm-hmm. would get burnt if you slid on it, and then you'd have all the black bits all over your legs and your socks and in your and in your shoes. Um, it looks like that, doesn't it? It looks like this the type of thing that a bunch of um, past it uh, middle aged men would be playing on down at fives, or a bunch of kids would be playing on down at the, the fives pitches, doesn't it? Um, but this is. This is professional football. But it's allowed. They're not, they're not doing anything wrong. It's no, allowed. There isn't, yeah. there isn't quality control as far as the league's governance is, is concerned with, with artificial surfaces. I, I, I wouldn't... It's easy to say this, but I, I know they can generate... And it, this is where you've got to look at the other side, and we like to play devil's advocate here. You, you can earn money for the football club by renting it out to, to local uh, organisations, to kids, to adults, to play on... When, when it's not there, I've played out the back there at, at Livingston on the AstroTurf, and that's actually better, it seems, than the pitch inside is right now. But it's not Livy's fault. It's not Livy's fault because they're they're allowed to do that. And if there's no quality control, then why are you going to spend all that money when you can yeah. have an advantage? And that's I was going to say, I was going to say, they've, they have a tight budget and the pitch works in their favour yeah. because they, you know, it's a pitch that, their team plays on regularly sure. and they'll get more accustomed to the fact that it's slightly irregular and it's a difficult one to adapt to if you don't play on it on a weekly basis. Um, looking at the team, 
Hart started with that 3-4-3 shape. Um, Clark and Goals, of course. Sibic rolls Kingsley the back three. So Kingsley coming back in, which meant Kai Rolls moved into the centre and Sibic to the right. Atkinson in right wing back. Cochrane left. Kiermitsoglu alongside Devlin in the centre. And Shanklin supporting Yutaro Oda and Stephen Humphreys. It was an awful first half. To be honest, the game, the game as a whole was not great, but the first half especially was dire. Um, I think the halftime stats summed it up, which I sent to yourself and Ryan McGowan, a 60% pass accuracy for both teams. And between the two sides, one shot on target. Uh, the poor pitch, it was windy, it was cold. Livingston, a tough side to break down. It just wasn't an ideal combination. This was the one big chance was Yutaro Oda maybe yeah. could have stretched to, to knock the ball in after a good ball across the box by Shankland. Um, it, look, it, let's not beat around the bush. He, he didn't have a great game, Yutaro Oda. He didn't really get, didn't really have much influence on proceedings. It's a very tough fixture for a 21-year-old who's come over from Japan where the football is entirely different and to get chucked into Livingston away, isn't it? Yeah, and we in a society right now are quick to judge anything. And I'm sure there might be some that have already made their mind up that he didn't do very good, did he? He only got 45 minutes. Let's not let's not race to conclusions here. Anyone would have found that tough. Um let's let's get a, a bigger sample size for Utaro Oda and then we can we can take it from there. Um we've seen the quotes from Robbie and the coaching staff. This is a project. This isn't someone that's going to come in and score 15 goals in the first season. It's someone that they are going to hopefully make better. Hopefully he will learn from that. I think that honestly, Laurie, I I, I think you can analyze this game as much as you want. And I know we don't really want to do too much of it. I think this is just one of these take a point, move on, and we don't have to go back there this season. Yes, um, one way to look at it. I mean, things got better after the break, um, yeah. Jerry. We saw uh, Garan Kuhl come on for the, the longest we've seen him on the pitch in a heart shirt. He came on for Oda after the break. And one thing we saw very quickly, uh, this lad's got pace. And um, if we can get him to put an end product on that, it could be a, a really good acquisition for Hearts, maybe for the next five months and possibly longer if he can keep him next season as well. I, I thought Kyo looked incredibly exciting. Uh, I like I thought we started the second half an awful lot better as a team. Uh, I, ca I can't I can't credit Robbie with the halftime team talk, given that he was sitting, <laughs> sitting behind me in the stand at the time. Um, but uh, it, it was pretty clear that actually, with the change of direction, you know, the wind wind conditions were different and. And, and the team really, really went out going for it. But Kyol just looked like he is is going to be something to be reckoned with uh, whenever whenever he gets really settled. It was good to see him getting minutes. It was good to see Oda getting minutes. I don't think you can judge either of them uh, too much on the basis of, of that half performance on that pitch in those conditions. Um, but uh, I, 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 I would be with you on that one and just saying it's a point take it move it on mark looking at, at, at garen cool i mean he's, he's he has he has to score that chance he really does, mm -hmm, he does. Uh, but 18 um he's obviously got a lot of the the raw talent i mean you, when someone's got that amount of pace i suppose that's what someone's looking at like you can't you, you can't teach that pace you can't you can you, know, you can, can train someone you can get them fit but that acceleration, that pace, he's that's obviously that's his. He's got that. 
that's obviously what the like someone like Newcastle have seen. Like if we can work on the technical side, he can get game time at the likes of Hearts, and maybe he can work on the likes of that end product. Suddenly, you've got a player who could be you know phenomenal, which I think is. But you know, if if he had the finishing right now. He wouldn't have been sent to Hearts, would he? <laughs> no, no. And, and I want to bring Jerry in here because it's someone he'll know um, from many years ago. Ivan Sproul. And the reason that I know it's Sproul is <sighs> his mother phoned me um, after a Hibs commentary I'd done and said, uh, you're calling. I'm not. Sorry, Jerry. I'm not. I was going to go down that horrible way of trying an accent. And I've got someone that can, can speak it just because it's your natural accent. His mother phoned me and says it's... Um, it's not sprawl, it's sprawl as in bread roll. But he had loads of pace. He didn't really have an end product. And it's it's one thing having lots Apart of Apart from pace. that one time at Ibrox. Yeah, well, you got a hat trick. Yeah, but, that, <laughs> but that's that's the thing. It's the thing with um with, with Kua, Lo- loads of pace, but he's 18 years old. And just because you've got loads of pace, I, I, we've seen from his, his, his show reel and his goals that he scored with... With Central Coast and in, in the state uh, in the uh, in Australia as well, he's a player who looks like he's he can be more instinctive, and maybe given a bit of time, that might not be his downfall. But it's all stuff to to work on. Um, but at least I was at least I was corrected, Jerry, into the proper pronunciation of Ivan Sproul by his mother. But you can always trust a mother to keep you right. Uh, but but look, Kiel, isn't it? Managers always say. I'm not worried about missed chances. The fact is they're getting chances and that's the more difficult thing. So I think with Kuehl and and probably with Oda as well, the more we can just keep creating chances, the more they, they will naturally click into the groove. They'll come good. Yeah, well, hopefully we can see a bit more of Garan Kuehl at least before the end of this season anyway and um, a bit more influence from him and hopefully a few finishes at the end of it. At the other end of the field... Mark, a player who was really man of the match. I don't think there'd be much debate about it. Kai Rolls saved Hearts. You know, that was the big chance mm-hmm. for Hearts, Garen Cool. But the other end, uh, Livy had a chance with former Hibs fan Stephen Bradley going in on goal. Lobbed Sander Clark, who I thought was a little quick off his line. Um, but Kai Rolls got back, and it's, it's an incredible goal line clearance, to be honest. When you see he's having to run back at pace, and he has to catch it on the volley and scoop it out. Um, brilliant bit of defending. It was, and arguably, it might have, it might have saved us. Um, it might have saved us a point. I, I would be intrigued to know what the majority of Hearts fans would have said if offered a point beforehand, knowing fine well that that would maintain the seven-point gap, albeit Livy would still have that game in hand against Dundee United, or take your chances that they could narrow the gap to four points with a game in hand, or we could extend the gap to to ten. I think it's a bit like St Mirren. It's not an easy place to go. You do well at home. You sort yourself out there. You you stay unbeaten on the road. And it was a good clearance by Rolls. Um, that was the first time we'd kind of seen Civic Rolls and, and, and Kingsley play for, for a while. But I don't think Rolls put a foot wrong. I, I, no. And it was interesting because, I mean, he's played as a left centre-back before. He played in the middle um, that time on uh, on Sunday at, at, at Livy. And that's the kind of organising role in the middle. And uh, and we sure did see. He, he's, honestly, he's he'll make us a lot of money if and when. Yeah, and I think the big thing is, uh, I think one slight criticism about his game is sometimes maybe not as dominant in the air as some people would hope for a centre back, especially in Scotland, where you know, there can be a lot of aerial battles. But I thought he, I think he won everything 
in the air. He won all his headers. Mm-hmm. We know he's composed on the ground. He reads the game well. His, his distribution's good. But I think that side of his game was spot on as well. And yeah, like man of the match in that one. Uh, a quick couple of tweets we got about the game. Uh, Bozzi said, a nil-nil draw, not the best, not the worst. To be fair, Livy away on a cold, blustery January is the Scottish equivalent of Stoke away on a wet Wednesday night. They will <laughs> battle and scrap for every loose ball, every header, every 50-50. And Mike Bradley said, I know it's a Hearts podcast, but there should, uh, there should be a small appreciation to the performance of Livy Keeper, who was someone I suggested mm, Hearts should sign last summer in a previous podcast. Um, I, I'll, I'll take your word on it, Mike, that you that you mentioned that. But um, Shamal George did have a good game. He's, he's quite a commanding stopper. He is. He is. Um, look, they they'll probably get top six, or they'll be there or thereabouts. So to get a point there, it's just a game I don't really want to dwell. It was a horrible game. Um, we had a couple of chances. They had a chance or two. Their goalkeeper was was excellent, albeit I think most goal. I don't want to take anything away from him, although I will. Garan <laughs> um, Kual put it right down his throat, not once but twice, and and he should have scored. But George was there, commanding presence, yeah, decent. But uh, can we move on from Livingston against Hearts? Yes, I doubt, I doubt that there'll be a DVD or a VHS or a Betamax released at the end of the season on that one. They won't. A point of peace, and we move on. Right next up. Uh, Let's talk Foundation of Hearts, and uh, we've got the ideal man on the podcast this week to to guide us through that topic, because as I mentioned, we are joined by Jerry Mallon, who is a chairman of Foundation of Hearts, appointed last year. Uh, now, Jerry, uh, obviously, uh, there's no doubt that you're you're from Ireland, you're not Scottish, you can't hide that one, and um, even... Even if you were putting an accent on, it'd probably be better than Mark's, but um, definitely, <laughs> definitely not of these shorts. However, you're you're here now. You're at heart. So tell us, um, how does someone like yourself end up over at Tyne Castle, proper jambo now, as you say, and chairing the foundation of Hearts? Oh wow, that's that's a long story. So listen, I've always been a big football fan. Um, grew up. Uh, uh, a, a Liverpool fan all my life was very much a hardcore Liverpool fan. Going to going to home and away games, going to cup finals, all all the rest of it. Um, even travelling from Belfast, um, had uh, a, a career which took me into contact with the Irish FA. Uh, at one stage, I was running a bank in Belfast. We became the sponsor of the uh, the Irish uh, Premier League. Um, and I got to know the, the the Irish Football Association, which is Northern Ireland, I should say, still the Irish FA because we were the we were the original one. Um, it was the FAI that 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 left us there, the splitters. Um, uh, whenever uh, we became the sponsor of the league, I got to know the IFA guys. And a couple of years later, they were looking for someone who had governance experience to be an independent chairman. Uh, uh, it was a competitive process, but I jumped at the chance to do it, and I became the chairman of the Irish FA. Did that for did that for six years. Had uh, a, a really lucky, uh, incredible experience. I joined at the time when we were just starting the the twenty sixteen Euro qualification campaign. We had a really great run, um, largely due to the exceptional form of of Kyle Lafferty. Uh, you know, we we uh, went through out of our group uh, and 
in Euro 2016 in France, um, we you know got in the knockout stages. We uh, completed a 30 million pound redevelopment of Windsor Park. had a had a really great time. Uh, my career took me to Edinburgh, uh, though in in 2018 I started working as the chief executive of Tesco Bank, uh, and the family relocated to Edinburgh in 2019, and we completely fell for Scotland and fell for Edinburgh in a in a big way. Um, I was a pretty lousy chairman of the Irish FA living living in Edinburgh, so I stepped down mm-hmm. my second term in in 2020. And and so you know if you're a, if you're a big football fan and you're living in Scotland, you gotta gotta find a Scottish team. I had completely ignored Scottish football deliberately uh, whenever I was living in Belfast, because uh, as you can imagine, in Northern Ireland, um, Scottish football means two teams. And you don't get to pick which one you support. You get told which one you're allowed to support. And um, I know lots of people who support the second city teams uh, uh, in in uh, in Belfast. But uh, I didn't feel the need to import even more sectarianism into Northern Ireland. We had plenty of our own. Uh, so I, I deliberately um, ignored Scottish football. But then whenever it became clear that we were moving to to Scotland. Myself and my son decided we needed to get off the fence and we needed to get in a team. And we were completely open-minded about what team we were going to we were going to support. And I debated it with Michael O'Neill, actually, who was the, the the Northern Ireland manager, as you know, he's a former Hibs player. And he actually said, look, we should just go and see both of them and see what uh what we preferred. Um uh and Hearts did have a head start because of the Northern Ireland connection. So at the time, there was Connor Washington, there was Aaron Hughes, there was Bobby Burns, there was Michael Smith, and there was Austin McPhee, who was who was part of Michael's um, uh, Northern Ireland coaching team. I have to say, we didn't know anything about Foundation of Hearts. We didn't know anything about McRae's Battalion. We didn't know anything about the club nearly dying. Or we just had a vague awareness of some crazy Lithuanian who left a bit of a mess. And... Um, we just went, went along to try and see if we could watch some some great football. Um, I'd say we didn't find any. Uh, it was it was uh, it was it was fairly crap. It was the tail end of the, um, the tail end of the the uh, Craig Levine era, and um, uh, you know we had Vince Lamal followed by Pereira and Nets. So we had the, the the first four games all that we went to see all as all as defeats. What we did see. Uh, we did see a beautiful stadium. We met some lovely people. We saw some real passion, uh, and we started to get a sense of the pride and the history of the place. Uh, and and we got a sense that the people really cared about the club. Uh, and it was it was different, and it was really touching. And and we got we got a feel for the place and and the people that just really caught us up in it. Um, and you look as it turns out, we never we never actually did make it to Easter Road. Um, uh, or rather, by the time we made it to Easter Road, we were in the away end, and we were we were already already diehards. So that was our that was the the start of our journey in in terms of the love affair with Hearts. That's it's it's a good journey, and I was going to say I was, I was like, oh, so you actually went to Easter Road, but good answer. You didn't even bother until you were there in the away end. Um, so you're you're now in Edinburgh. You've you've picked well. Um, well, I say you've picked well. I mean, at the time, I guess. Maybe didn't feel like that, given how crap Hearts were. But you're you're now following Hearts. Um, you, you're working for Tesco Bank, your chief, chief executive. So, 
how did this the opportunity with the foundation of hearts come about then if you remember back to um the kind of the, the again the worst point on the terms of our recent history was was brora uh in uh, 23rd of march 2021 remember that's kind of etched into my 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 memory um <laughs> queen queen of the south then happened shortly after that and it was it was all really doom and gloom at the minute and i had started I, look, I'd become aware of the history of Hearts and I'd become aware of the foundation and I'd started pledging to the foundation actually at that stage because it had become clear to me that that's what you do when, when you support this team. It actually deepened my knowledge uh, of Hearts. And uh, it, I, whenever it all got a bit nasty in social media uh, and things were really horrible, I remember the reaction of fans after after Brora and the pressure that there was on the board. It was pretty pretty unpleasant on, on social media and there were protests and all the rest of it. And I could see the grief that the foundation uh, board was getting at that stage and the, the, the foundation uh, board members of the, the, the main club board. Um, uh, and I sent a message to Stuart Wallace, who was who was my predecessor. He was then chair of the foundation. Uh, just really giving him a message of some solidarity and some support. We'd been through our own, I suppose, equivalent Brewer moment uh, in Northern Ireland whenever whenever Northern Ireland was beaten by Luxembourg, and um, uh, we stuck with Michael O'Neill uh, as the manager, uh, who you know who who proved to be. You know the, the the you know the greatest manager for at least thirty years in Northern Ireland, uh, and he took us on a fantastic journey, and the rest was history. Um, so I, um, you know, encouraged uh, Stuart uh, to you know stick stick by whatever the vision was that the board had, and encouraged them to have to have courage. Uh, and I offered that if he or the foundation needed any help, I was I was prepared to 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 help. And I look, I kept up the dialogue with Stuart over a while. And I think he had in his own mind his own succession plan and his desire to achieve the share transfer so that the you know the foundation took ownership and then he wanted to step down from the foundation at that stage. So I was asked if he would be he would be interested in, in standing for election. Uh, he sorry, he asked if I would be interested in standing for election to the foundation board. And I, I did I did really actually think long and hard about it because um I didn't. I didn't really feel particularly worthy because I was such a such a new fan. Um, and I spoke to a ton of people about it who'd been involved with the foundation over the years. People like like Ian Murray, Brian Cormack, Alex Mackey. Uh, I spoke to the existing foundation board people like Gary Halliday, and um, that you know most people said, "Look, we're we're interested in your experience. We're not interested in your in your heritage. If we want to support Hearts." You're welcome into our family, um, which was lovely, and it was, you know, I've, I've discovered it's typical of of hearts people uh, who who are incredibly welcoming. Um, so I stood for and was elected to the board of the foundation in December 2021, and then I was elected chairman of the of the foundation in 2022, and I joined the board of the club at the same time. So a real a real whirlwind romance between uh, me and Hearts, but uh, I think it's an enduring one. We've had a few questions from Twitter, and I thought it'd be good to to kind of drive our discussion about the foundation of Hearts from here, because this is obviously the the fans and uh, most will be pledgers, and I guess the people that the foundation serves. So uh, uh, Gary McEwen um, said, I would love to understand uh, your vision for Foundation of Hearts and the role it can play in the future 
how do we sustain and grow contributions over time and what are the plans in that regard? So, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I, I guess people have asked me, what's the what's the purpose of the foundation? Because, you know, when it started, it was about saving the club. You know, it nearly died. It was about keeping the club alive. Uh, and then when that was achieved, it was about uh, achieving fan ownership. And, and again, that was achieved a couple of years ago with the share transfer. So, you know, you could conceivably say, look, the foundation has done, has done its bit and it could be, it could be mission accomplished. I think the opportunity is, is much more than that. The opportunity is now for us as the largest fan owned club in the UK to prove that fan ownership can be the platform for, for a real era of greatness and for uh, a real era of success. Um, I think there's there's a number of things that come out of that. So that so that there's there's a couple of roles for for us as a foundation and for us as as the the foundation board. First thing is we have to make sure that we're good custodians of that shareholding. So that means uh, stable and secure ownership. So so ensuring that the the club is run in a way that it's never going to be uh, put at risk of ceasing to exist. And it doesn't mean the foundation runs the club. It means that we make sure that it's it's run in a really professional way. So our mantra is that Hearts is fan owned and not fan run. So um, our, you know we're, we're the shareholder, but we're not the people who are running the club on a day to day basis. And I think I think that's the model that is going to give us the the the, the greatest success. Um, the problem with trying to run a club as a fan is that you'll make irrational decisions. You'll not make the sensible and and, and long term decisions. And I think some of the heat that was around Brora probably goes to to prove that that you know there there may be a risk in uh, in in thinking and running like a fan rather than thinking thinking professionally. A couple of questions in terms of the um, the age of of pledgers and I think the young side of the the fan base as much as possible. I've got. Uh, Charles Daly said it's it's now about the younger generation to pledge. How do we get them in? And Vic also said, what's the age profile of current donators and what steps have been taken to increase the number of under 25s given the age profile of the ultras? So, so look, the, the key thing for us for the long term is about maximising fan involvement in the club, which means growing pledger numbers. Um, the We have a really hard core of between eight and a half thousand and eight thousand seven hundred pledgers who are who are pretty much people who have been there since the start, uh, which suggests that they're towards the older edge, uh or the older end of the, the age spectrum. They're the fans who remember when the club nearly died, which wasn't all that long ago. Uh, but it's probably not the uh it's it's not it's not the young team, shall we say. Um it, there's a risk that if we, you know, don't continue to be really relevant uh, and don't continue to grow and recruit new pledgers, that we uh, atrophy and the numbers decline over time. And um, so that's that's the challenge for us as a uh, as as a foundation is to stay really relevant. Um, so there's two things there. One is to demonstrate the fact that the foundation does make a material difference to the club so that the money that we put into the club that the fans put into the club uh um does make a difference on the pitch and that that is that is absolutely the case so we're it's around 142,000 pounds a month that we're putting into the club it's 14.8 million pounds to date which means within the next couple of months will fans will have donated 15 million pounds 
uh, in, into the foundation and, and into the club, which is just phenomenal. That is just amazing. We've got a head start over every other club uh, in Scotland just with that money. So there is a real, there is a real connection between uh, what people donate to the foundation and the success that we see on the pitch. And the second thing that we have to do is is build that connection, build that sense of pride, so that people can feel that it's about them being proud in owning the club, that they own the club, that they make a difference to the club, uh, that it's not a toy for a rich American, uh, that it's their club, uh, and that if you're a Hearts fan, then you need to be part of this uh, if you can afford it. Uh, and and that that's just what you do. So um, in terms of younger fans, it's about us being being present and relevant and responsive and listening to what it is that they need. It's about us continuing to increase our profile, upping our game somewhat on social media, uh, and just being part of the conversation uh, and reinforcing the message that uh, that that the foundation is the vehicle through which we can all both contribute to the future of the club. And, and and bask in its glory. Jerry, I thought you gave a, a really good interview in the Hearts versus Hibs programme on January the 2nd. Um, you were outlining various things, one of which was you were talking about Brora earlier in this podcast. You also mentioned Michael O'Neill in Luxembourg and, and the, the patience, how difficult it is but sometimes it's best. And who knows, if Hearts had got rid of Robbie Nielsen after Brora, how many managers we would have had since then? Would we be where we are? Who knows? Probably not. What have the foundation of Hearts learned since the Brora game, of which there was a fallout afterwards? That's it. I'm not, I'm not paying any money for them. They can, they can stick the foundation of Hearts up their arse. Why should I be paying when we're getting beaten by Brora? That was a storm in a teacup that, that moved on. What has the Foundation of Hearts learned from that to ensure that the next time, not something like that happens, because hopefully it never does again, but as good as it is right now, it's going to turn to shit at some stage and then hopefully get better again. So what have you learned from what happened after Brora with pledges and everything like that? Look, it, it, well, a couple of things. First of all, there is a big correlation between success on the pitch, uh, supporter sentiment and the income to the, to the, uh, to the Foundation. Uh, the donations into the club. So there was a massive spike in cancellations. Actually, as the club started to, to turn around, we saw those people coming back. So, you know, you can see that the loyalty and the dedication of the pledger base and their 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 connection to the club is something which might ebb and flow slightly with, uh, with the mood and with the sentiment, but it's there for the long term. People are committed. The second thing that we learned out of that is, it goes back to the point that I, that I made at the start, we're a club that's fan-owned and not fan-run, and it makes sense to have cool-headed decision-makers around the boardroom table, uh, the likes of Anne Budge, the likes of Andrew McKinley, uh, the likes of James Anderson, those people who will make sensible and, if needs be, dispassionate decisions, difficult decisions, courageous decisions, uh, for the long term, so we're 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 not going to attempt to interfere too much in that. It's about making sure that you've got professional people who've got a really good strategy and that are running it really well. Andrew's built a very professional team uh, right across the club, um, and you can see 
you know, the knock-on effects of that, what's happening on the football side, what, what you know, Andrew brought, brought in Joe Savage, you can see what, what Joe's doing in terms of the, the, the playing capability, uh, what he's doing in the academy, what he's, what he's, what he's doing in, in, in the, in the women's team by, by bringing more and more talent on board. That, that's not the job for the fans to, to, to pick all of those people. Uh, and, and us as foundation board, all, all we can do is help create the conditions and, and let the professionals get on with it. A very successful career you've had, both in the finance industry and in football. I want to look ahead now. Um, it's impossible to know what's going to happen in the future. I'd like to think that when Anne Budge eventually decides to have far less of a hands-on role and just wants to go and watch the football every week, she has some sort of emeritus. Is it emeritus or emer emeritus? Whatever it is. Jerry, is it emeritus or emeritus? Emeritus. Emeritus. Thank you. Thank you. So Anne has this, hypothetically, Anne has this emeritus, um, this title where she's always going to be forever in our debt, but she'll be the, give her the queen of hearts, something like that. Basically, we'll need a chairman or chairwoman. Now, from what you have done and where you are right now, is chairman of the Foundation of Hearts as far as you want to go with the football club? Or if Andrew McKinley is to stay on as chief executive, and he's done a fantastic job so far, and the club needs a figurehead at the top of the organisation that's not Anne, is that something that might appeal to you based on the experiences you've had so far? Uh, look, first of all, I think Anne will be there for many, many years. And I think we everybody in the club wants her there for many, many years. So I think there's a, there's a long way to go. Second thing I'd say is I'm in a massively busy executive job at the minute. I'm, I'm actually going to miss the Rangers game because I'm, I'm, you know, working down south with the with the Tesco board for the next couple of days. Uh, so so I don't know if I would have capacity to do that. Third thing I would say is I don't think it's right that if the chairman of the Foundation of Hearts is also the chairman of the football club. Uh, I think there's there's a conflict there because one needs to be able to have a word in the ear of the other. Um, but uh, all, all of those things said, uh, look, I, w I want to be part of Hearts and want to be around Hearts and want to help Hearts for for many many years uh, ahead. So I, I, you know, there's 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 I'm not uh, I don't I don't have any particular ambitions in in that direction. And I think I think Mrs B. Uh, should be should be should be running the show for for a long time. Yes, should go on forever. Uh, question from Twitter from a good friend of ours, Ian McLeod, who was involved in Save Our Hearts back in the day. He says I was one of Jerry's nominees for the Foundation of Hearts board, and we had a chat at the time about getting the academy to produce more players capable of playing, say, 150 games or so for the first team. Any progress or plans in this area, Jerry? Yeah, well, look, um, yes, um, but. Again, fan own, not fan run. Uh, the academy is Joe Savage's department. Uh, he's got a new head of the academy who is, you know, making big strides forward. Um, the foundation board just got an update from Andrew McKinley last week when he was talking about the progress that was being made. Really, really driving change and and um, and and, and upping the gears at the academy. Focus on player development, not not focusing on teams trying to win underage tournaments because you know that might be nice and and uh, you know 
it allow coaches to feel good, but actually the focus should be on developing players, not not on not on developing teams. Um, so I, I see a lot of good coming out of that. I, I can't claim any personal credit for it, but it goes back to we just put the right people in place. Joe's at the top of that department and he's doing a great job in that as, as with the first team. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. We have a question here from Grant Dalgleish, who says, uh, "What is the situation with commercial sponsorship? Uh, will we will we be looking to add this, or will we continue to promote charities? This could allow us to further strengthen the team as more funds available." Um, it does also say, can we get Nike as our next kit maker? Their stuff is classy. That's obviously very specific. Uh, in terms of commercial sponsorship, is that something that you would would come under the remit? Do you think of Foundation of Hearts having an influence on? Okay, that's that's another one of those things that's for the club board, and and again, uh, you know, fan owned, not fan run. Uh, so we'll we'll let the club board make the decision on that, and and the commercial director. Um, uh, Cap McCallum will be will be driving all of that. Uh, the, the club the club makes really sensible decisions commercially, and and they'll, they'll continue to do that. Uh, I I don't think there's any uh, any particular fixation on having uh, having a charity. Um, uh, I think it's been a, it's been good and an opportune thing to do, uh, but um, you know the the the. The economics of it has to work over the over the longer term, and we want to earn more money to put more into uh, in, into the club. Um, so, manufacturer wise as well, um, I, I think we've still got another couple of years to run on Umbro. But you know, doubtless that there's there, there'll be opportunities to be uh, competitive in terms of finding finding a new one. Uh, Gordon Walkinshaw sent in a, a message, and it, it kind of touches on what we spoke about earlier, but quite a specific um note about it so he says will the foundation of hearts introduce a junior account so this isn't just like younger fans but uh, more for the, from the actual kids side of things he says hearts don't offer anything for my 10 and 7 year olds um a junior foundation of hearts would be a potential way of making the next generation part of foundation of hearts and boosting the number of contributors for generations ahead yeah so that's that's a really good point and it's something that we actually have been Talking about and looking at now, now we're in active planning for uh, at the minute. Um, you know, thinking about the future, our job is to make sure that we maximise the number of pledgers, and and to be really relevant and to build that sense of connection. Uh, we haven't been able to to allow kids to be part of that journey uh, so far. Um, so, but building a a kids pledge uh, is is part of what we're looking at. Now we have to be really thoughtful about that because this is not about trying to make money out of kids. Uh, it's about trying to allow them to feel the connection that they are an owner of the club, that this is that they've got that sense of pride that they, you know, that's fan owned and they're a fan and they're they're completely connected with it. So so designing that kids pledge is something and, and understanding what would really motivate a, 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 um, you know a, a younger person. And, and what sort of reward and what sort of structure to it. So Louise Strutt has been leading the work on behalf of the, the foundation board. Uh, I'm glad to say we had a team of volunteers from Tesco Bank uh, as well who've been 
working with her to have conversations with with families, with existing pledgers, with some some kids to understand what, what really motivates them, uh, how they can how they would feel more connected to the, to the club and feel like feel like an owner. Again, it's not about making money out of them. It's about it's about building connection. So we're we're taking the time to design something which is which is going to be enduring and which will really appeal to them. It's worth taking the time to do that properly. So I'm confident that we'll be we will be unveiling something before terribly long. You tease. Let's have a bit of fun here. Um, you can make it a two part question, or it can just be a one part question into two. What would be the top three on either? the Foundation of Hearts to-do list or Jerry Mallon's Foundation of Hearts to-do list? We are unified as a board, so I'm going to give you the things that we're all agreed that we're going to do. Um, so uh, first thing is we're going to get some more volunteers on board because we're a really small board. People work incredibly hard. I have a brilliant board. I, I, I need to mention them. Paul Cheshire looks after finances. Donald Cumming, unsung hero, looks after all of our legal. Andrew Brown, who is our uh, IT genius, runs, run, is an MD of, of IBM for the UK, has been brilliant for us. Gary Halliday, of course, and we've got two new members in Graham Robertson and Jim Burberry. We, we, we actually did have our strategy meeting last week. Um, we, we just need more hands on deck. We've got a huge amount of goodwill amongst the, the pledger base to help us just to achieve more. Um, so we're going to, um, when we get these volunteers on board, what are we going to do? We're going to dial up our communication, be more visible in social media, just have greater presence and visibility. So that that kind of relevance and, and resonance with with fans, including with with the younger uh, fan base, um, we, we we hope we can achieve that. We're gonna we're gonna tidy up our website as well. I think it's 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 well out of date, and we have got these. Plot ceremonies that we that Gary Halliday has been has been running uh, with huge personal effort. He's run sixty five plot ceremonies with thirty five hundred people participating. Wow. He's got six hundred more people to go uh, before uh, you know, we, we're we're caught up. We had a, a, a two year hiatus uh, with COVID, but um, but we, by the end of the season, Gary will have have caught up. So you know, huge. Huge effort on his part, even greater effort on behalf of yeah, everybody who helps in those plot ceremonies and his mum, who have had to listen to Gary's jokes 65 times. Um, <laughs> same ones, is it usual? Uh, just same ones, yeah. Yes, it's the same three jokes from Gary Halliday uh, 65 times. Uh, and uh, but look, he's he's done he's done fantastically well. Uh, so, but that's that's the that's the three. You know, catch up on the catch up on the rewards and the plot ceremonies, to dial up our communications, including tidying up the website and just getting more volunteers on board, and mm. and we will be flying. I've been back from the states a couple of times. I also went to Switzerland. I've been back a couple of times this season, and every time I'm back, I try to buy something from the shop if I'm in there, or or whatever. Just a to put money into the coffers, but b for gifts from a daughter or anything like that. Daz Carding says, "Any chance of bringing back the Foundation of Hearts scarves? A lot more pledgers now who could purchase one, and that would be another way of making funds, whether it's for people in the region or people like me who are maybe coming from overseas." Uh, good news is yes, I think there is a real prospect of that in the not too distant future, uh, and not only that, one of the most popular things that we did 
in recent years, if you remember, was the tribute kit with pledges yes. on it. Are we getting another uh, one? We are on the verge of agreeing that. So mm. if you're interested in having your name on that kit, you better get pledging. So mm. every existing pledger right now, if you get the go-ahead to do another kit, would automatically have his and her name on that jersey? Or do they have to do something? Or is that still to be discussed? They don't need to do anything special. I think we will we will be getting as many of those names as we can feasibly squeeze onto a shirt. Uh, and I can't guarantee the, the positioning and I can't guarantee whether or not it'll be in the seam or the armband or anything like that. But the plan is to get to get just like on the tribute wall, uh, as many names as we can possibly squeeze onto onto that jersey. Um, really strong support from the club to do this. Um, and, you know, again, we're working with the club. You know, we've got the 150th anniversary coming up. And I think that's going to be a really critical time for the club and the foundation and the fan base to really come together and, and you know, celebrate the history of arts. I've got one here from This Is My Story podcast. I know you you know the guys well. You were on there um, ahead of being appointed to the Foundation of Arts Board. They did some really good interviews. Uh, a question from them is... A bag of cans up the back of the supporters' bus or tea and scones in the boardroom. <laughs> What's Jerry's <coughs> preferred go-to on a match day? So, so look, I, I, look, this is a leading question because I think they know me well enough to <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, it's really weird. I have to wear a suit and tie to matches now and I'm just not used to doing that. So I had a career as a banker of wearing a suit all the time. At Tesco, we don't we don't wear suits. We, we never wear ties. It's a very casual place. And now all of a sudden I've dug out these pre-COVID suits that are full of moth holes, got a, got a club tie, and now I need to wear them to, of all places, a football match. So... Um, yeah, uh, so, so someday I'll I'll um, I'll sneak on a supporters bus to an away trip rather than uh, rather than going to a boardroom. <laughs> Good answer. I think everyone will appreciate that one. Um, love of the game asks what are, what are you, your visions for the club and and how does a banker help push a football club to the next level? I'm not in for my banking skills. I have to say, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I think because I've done I've done some time in in governance. I mean, before I did the Irish FA, I I, I was the chairman of a university for uh, for six years. Uh, but I'm in because uh, I'm hopefully re- reasonably clued in in governance on business uh, uh, on, on and on running a business, and because I care. I mean, you you can't you can't you can't do this. Get nobody gets paid in in the foundation. Nobody nobody gets paid on the club board. Uh, apart from the two the two executive directors that, that, that work in the club, so you, we're doing it for the love of the club and for the love of the and for the love of the game. Um, so um, all I all I want to bring to it is 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 a bit of passion and and hopefully a little bit of skill and experience. There's a question, Jerry, from it just says Hertz H E R T Z or T Z. I've been over here in the States too long. I assume and it's the, not uh, from a rental car. I was gonna say it's other car rental company. Yeah, very good smart <laughs> arse. Um and and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the question and, and kind of see if we can take it a little bit further. So the question is, is there any plan to encourage more fans to pledge to the foundation of hearts? Can we get the same number of those who buy season tickets? Is there a way that you could maybe persuade season ticket holders who are not pledgers to the Foundation of Hearts to maybe add a little bit on to the cost of their season tickets so they could be Foundation of Hearts 
members and season ticket holders. Yeah, so that's an interesting thought to ask for an extra additional voluntary donation. On it. I mean, um, the, the key thing about the foundation is every pledger is equal. You know, there's no, you know, we said we ask for a minimum donation of a tenner uh, a month to anybody who pledges. Um, not everybody can afford that. Uh, a lot of people give a lot more money than that. You have people who give hun- literally hundreds of pounds a month, but everybody, everybody is equal. So I'm sure there's I'm sure there's opportunities for us to encourage donations here, you know, additional increments there. I think the the core for me is about um, trying to get to the stage where it becomes the natural thing that you want to do if you're a jambo and that and you can afford it. That you you realise that you know regardless of your season ticket holder, an occasional pledger, somebody who lives overseas and and just follows the club. Um, or 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 somebody who, you know, actually isn't interested in the football, but is interested in the in in the history and the heritage, that you just you you just pledge and you 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 enjoy seeing the benefits of your pledge coming through uh, on, on the pitch. Um, we'll 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 happily take all ideas and we'll 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 work on all of those ideas, uh, and that that's that's definitely not a bad one, but I think. I just I just want it to be second nature to to supporters. That would be the the ideal thing for me. The last one from me before Laurie does the quick fire questions for the rest of them. It's a it's a combo question to go with David McKay uh, McKeggs, and he says, "Where does Jerry see the club in in ten years' time?" If I can ask, what would be considered success in ten years' time for the Foundation of Hearts? Well, we've set ourselves a, a shorter term target, which is in the next couple of years to get to ten thousand pledgers. I don't think that's, I don't think that, that's impossible. I think we should we should be at that, and I do think that a level which is similar to the number of season ticket holders that we have should should also be achievable. In terms of hearts, um, look, I think the minimum that it's kind of in our destiny or in our dare I say the natural order for us to oh, uh, to, to achieve is look, we, 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 we're, we're clearly at, at worst the, the third biggest club in Scotland. I think people sh- should be and increasingly are talking talk about the big three in Scotland and there should be a uh, there should be a clear distance to fourth but that we should have a constant focus on on, on positions one and two. Um, money is really heavily correlated with success in football money doesn't guarantee success but it's really hard to get success without the money and um, so if we can continue to leverage um the 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 the, the head start that the foundation gives uh, if we can continue to make sure that we've got really strong professional people engaged on the board and, and hired and working in the club uh then that Third place as a minimum is ours, and the only place that we should be looking is upwards at, at one and two, and 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 focusing on every opportunity to close up uh, the gap on any slip uh, in, in those ones above it because they they they've got the money, but as I say, that doesn't doesn't guarantee success, and we've got we I think we've got something special about us that should allow us to do that. 
I'll go with one final one that we've got here, I think, which um, kind of covers a few questions we received. Um, and that came from Sam Moffat, who just says, what would you like your term as chair of Foundation of Hearts to be remembered for? You know, that's a, that's a really difficult question because um, like I, I don't think in terms of um, in in terms of kind of individual legacy. It's not about me. Uh, it's it's about it's about hearts, uh, and it's about the foundation. I, I just want to do my bit to build the foundation, make it as strong as it can, and get as many fans as possible involved, and and to make sure that we. Build a club that gives them the pride uh, that they, that they really deserve. That's a good answer, I think. I think it's a good place to move on as well. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, we'll change course a little bit here uh, because there's a question we asked a couple of weeks ago, which we've had some feedback for, which was about going above and beyond or pushing through the pain barrier to to get to a heart skin. This will stem from me reminiscing about um, having tonsillitis and throat infection and uh, managing to get through to the Celtic game through painkillers and sheer will and then enjoying hearts winning 2-1 before suffering for about a week with the fallout of that illness when everything wore off. Uh, we've had a few messages, we had some emails and some tweets about it. So I'm going to go through some of these and maybe see if, if Jerry's got a, a story that might uh, resonate at all with this topic as well. Uh, I've got an email here, first of all, from Alexander Scott, who says, um, you, Laura, your anecdote on the game against Celtic when you had tonsillitis has got me thinking of a few occasions myself and my brother have got, had had to go through the pain barrier at Hearts games. Now, I mean this both in body and an emotional sense, as you'll soon find out. In 2009, I broke my collarbone playing for my school football team, and on the coming weekend, it was in Edinburgh Der- Derby at Tynecastle. Fair to say I timed my painkillers correctly to make uh, my way to the game without too much fuss, only to watch a painful nil-nil draw play out. Uh, let's fast forward to 2018, and again, I break the same collarbone playing for my son. I think Alexander Scott needs to stop playing football. Um, playing for my Sunday league team. What game is coming up the following weekend? Hearts against Celtic in the League Cup semi-final. No amount of painkillers could mask how truly awful that day was. Why not make it a hat? Oh, come on. Why not make it a hat trick? Only this time it wasn't me, but my brother who broke his collarbone last year for the same team as myself. <laughs> the next Hearts game was a Scottish Cup final 2022. Throughout the 120 minutes, I couldn't figure out if the pain on his face was because of the medication wearing off or the fact that the Hearts team couldn't get near a Rangers player that day. I guess if we are ever to have the same injury again, one, I'll probably need to be put down, and two, we'll make sure not to attend the next Hearts game. All the best, Alex. Uh, Alex, I think you and your brother need to just watch football and stop playing. There's um, either fragile bodies involved or you've just got seriously bad luck. (laughs) (laughs) Email as well from Phil Fielding, who said, I'll share a couple of instances of going above and beyond to watch Hearts. In July 1985, Hearts arranged a pre-season tour in West Germany. So along with two fellow Hearts fans, we decided to go and watch them. Nothing unusual in that, you might say. The problem was it was only a few weeks after the the Heysel Stadium disaster and the club didn't want fans travelling to Europe. As a result, no announcements were made as to where or when the games would be played. Remember, this is the days pre-mobile phones or internet. Uh, the three of us set off anyway. Once we got to our digs in Germany, 
One of our group was Alex Jones, who was chair of the Supporters Federation. He phoned Tynecastle from a phone box. Yes, this is definitely the 80s. And explained we had already travelled over and would uh, the club give us details of the upcoming fixtures. Initially, they were very reluctant to do so, but eventually let us know where and when the games were to be played. Unfortunately, the first game that eve- was that evening and 200 miles from where we were staying. However, we did make the remaining four games of the tour. It seemed normal at the time, but looking back, travelling over Germany without knowing where or when games were going to be played seems mad. Another one was Saturday the 3rd of August 91. In the morning, my partner's waters broke as she was pregnant with our son. We went to Simpsons as our son wasn't due for another six weeks. They carried out all the tests and everything seemed okay. So I was like, there's no point in me sitting here. So I left her to go and watch Ian Baird make his debut against Real Sociedad. Thankfully, our son stayed put for another couple of days. He, he now has a season ticket beside me, so no harm done. <laughs> Best wishes, and hope you and the team keep up the good work for a long time. I really enjoy listening to the show. Phil, um, yeah. Love I mean, that. Love yes, that. it's very brave, I have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was waiting for the, whether it was a wife or an ex-wife. Um, after that happened. Jerry, any of these resonate with you? Anything that you've done to watch Liverpool or Hearts in recent times when maybe you shouldn't have been at the game but you you, you went over and above? Well, I, I wanted to go and see Hearts so much that I joined the board of the club. Oh, that's the <laughs> extreme. Although on the upside, I get to sit next to Gary Locke at games as well. So that's, there's really... <laughs> How's your Bonnerig accent? Uh, uh, as good as your Northern Ireland accent, Mark. Yeah, okay. And I stopped after less than half a word. To be fair, Jerry's Jerry's accent's easier to understand than Gary Locke's, and for most people in Scotland, I think. Honestly, Laurie, the Northern Irish accent is one of the best accents in the world. Anywhere you go, it's just smooth. It's soft. I'm surprised. I mean, like Jamie Dornan and the likes. I'm surprised there's no not more voiceovers um, for people from Northern Ireland. It's just a yeah, if you if you decide ever to leave Tesco Bank or or Hearts, I'm sure that sure there's a few. Not that you haven't had enough careers so far, Jerry, but I'm sure voiceover work might be something. Uh, that you Jim, Jimmy Nesbitt's got that market sewn up. <laughs> um, Sydney Devine messaged us as well. He's a, a long time listener of the show, and he's not the Sydney Devine, which we had to establish a few years oh, ago. Don't stop. Um, we won't go back there. <laughs> no, he says on. Um, on Tuesday the 2nd of January 2010 I was working in Leeds and Hearts were playing St Mirren in the League Cup semi-final at Fir Park um, Motherwell at 7.45 I left Leeds at 3.45 and had to get home to pick up my 11 and 9 year old for the game Obeying the speed limits it takes 3 hours and 52 minutes to get to my home and then 35 <laughs> minutes to get back over to Motherwell I drove like a maniac up the road A1, A66 and M74 I parked at the wrong side of Fir Park and we had to walk all the way around the stadium, which only added to the stress. When we arrived, we struggled to find our seat. It was a sold-out heart's end. Jim Jeffries had only just returned to the club um, days earlier and optimism was high, higher than it had been of late. As we found somewhere to stand, Ishmael Bougied uh, pulled up with an injury to be replaced by that effing David Kajarski. <laughs> We were fucked. Um, the playing surface was like, was like a potato field. Hearts huffed and puffed their way through the game, managing maybe two shots a goal. St Mirren won 1-0 with a Billy Mehmet 25-yard bullet past Kello. Mm. Sadly, I remember this game well. I was there. Mm. Uh, it was one of the most inept Hearts performances that I have seen in many a year, and that was saying something. It took over an hour to get back home after the game, and after a few hours sleep, I had to leave the house at 3am to get back to Leeds for 8am. 
I don't think I've ever recovered from this and still hold a degree of resentment towards a number of Hearts players for putting me through the stress. Two Hearts links in the St. Minute team that day. Paul Gallagher played in goal and a certain Jack Ross in the team. Um, Joel Sked recently pondered the question, how do you know when it is the good old days? Well, 2010 was most certainly not the good old days in Hearts history. Would I do it all again? Absolutely. Uh, which is probably what football fans will say over and over, which is why we're all a bit crazy, aren't we? Mm. Uh, well, then from Louise Cunningham, Laurie, my dad went to Dublin to watch Hearts beat St. Pat's 2-0 in the UEFA Cup in September 1988. It was the 7th of September the game took place. I was born on the 13th of September. I'm pregnant right now, and let me tell you, if my husband did this, divorce <laughs> papers would be swiftly served. Uh, Louise, someone you know, Laurie? Yes. Yes? Yes what? Yes, I do. Oh, you do? That's nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> what? Well, why, why are you so curt with your answer there, Laurie? I don't know what else you want me to add. Yes, she's a, a friend. A friend? Okay. Formerly something else, but that's irrelevant for a football well, I'm podcast. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying Ryan McGowan put me up to that or anything like uh, that, but I'm sure you'll get a smile when he listens in Australia. Yes. Um... Anyway, uh, Laura Campbell says, my mum was very poorly, so we rented a driver to take us to Hamden, wait outside the whole game in case she needed to leave. Then home after the game, it was the final against Celtic that we came oh so close to. Uh, Craig Morris. Why do I I feel Louise Cunningham's message isn't even going to make the final edit anyway? um... I'll leave it in. You've just mentioned it, so I have to leave it in. Uh, Craig Morris, son of Stevie Morris, friend of the show and has appeared a few times, says, I was working as a deckhand on a Dutch yacht in Antigua during the 2012 semi-final. Could only get the game through Twitter updates. My heart sinks as, as I see the world word penalty Refresh for Hearts 2-1, blast the horn and fire on Hector Nickel inside the Antigua Yacht Club. There you go, it's a nice place to be for a cup uh, for a cup semi-final. Jerry, uh, it, just, it just shows you that, the, I mean, I'm sure every every supporter of every football club has got stories like this, but when, when you're a football fan, you really do go, go over and above what you kind of really should do to, to either see your team, to watch them on um, the, the the Wi-Fi or laptop. James Christie, Valentine's Weekend 2015 in New York, convinced Mrs. Christie that she didn't want me spoiling her shopping experience. Went our separate ways for a couple of hours, dived into the Rockefeller Center to borrow some Wi-Fi, got Hearts TV on the laptop, beat Livy 1-0, happy days. Now, Jerry, problem here is, would you trust your wife in New York for two hours with the kids or without the kids to go shopping when you watch Hearts TV on the laptop? Is that something you would be prepared to do and face the damages on the credit card when you came back? I trust my wife implicitly, Mark. You mean you don't you don't trust yours? Oh God, no. But you mean she doesn't listen to this? She just doesn't listen full stop. We've been together 25 years, Jerry. So just stop listening after about 25 weeks, well, 25 days. But two hours in New York while you're watching Hearts on the laptop, you could do some. I mean, if that's Rockefeller Center, that area, you could do some damage on a credit card. Oh dear! <laughs> but if she, Jerry, if she wins, she'll find you in good form, so you know you'll show will be forgiven. <laughs> Jerry, we had Ian McLeod on speaking about Save Our Hearts, and the episode ended up being called Save Our Wives um, because they they spoke about how much 
uh, they all put their um, respective wives through, spending all the time um, on on different hearts' duties as they tried to find a way to well save our hearts at the time. So uh, I hope uh, I hope your other half is or whoever's at home prepared to lose you to hearts for a fair few hours. So three years ago, I got my first half season ticket when the, when Boise made his debut and um, nice. scored. Yeah, scored in that game against Rangers. Um, nice, nice segue into uh, the next game. But um, if I'd have known then, and my wife had have known then, how three years later Hearts would come to dominate our lives, she she might have made an intervention at that stage. <laughs> She is very long suffering and and very patient. I have to I have to take my hat off to her. Too late now, um, but that's a very per- it's a, it's a good segue, a good thing to note because it means we can now quickly move on to what's coming up next for Hearts. Yes, Rangers at Tynecastle, very aptly mentioned by Jerry. And before we go, we've not got too much time, but we'll quickly mention the next game for Hearts. Uh, not going to preview in too much detail, Mark, because at the time of recording, it's Tuesday night, so by the time this is out, it'll be later on on Wednesday, so a lot of you will be listening to this after the game. So, um, well, very briefly, get a feel for how optimistic you are, Mark, and, and give us a prediction. And what we do, Jerry, is we like to give a scoreline and pick a goal scorer. It doesn't have to be all the goal scorers if there's multiple goals, but someone to score a goal and what the scoreline will be. So, Mark, are you feeling optimistic? For the last twice that Rangers have been at Tynecastle, I felt optimistic and we've we've been spanked. So yeah, why not? Third time lucky. I always like to look at the referee prior to a game against either of the old from John Beaton. Is that a good or a bad thing? Uh, honestly, these days I I just don't even bother taking <laughs> it into account. I, I, there's just so much um, controversy and naff decisions that I, I, I barely feel like it matters which one it is now. <laughs> <laughs> well, 4-0 defeat the last time at home, 3-1 defeat the time before that, a 2-0 defeat the time before that. So in the last three times that Rangers have been in Gorgie, certainly twice going into the games, if I remember correctly, we've we've either been on form or felt good about ourselves, and we've ended up scoring one goal and we've conceded nine. Uh, I, I, think, I think things are going to change. I don't think Hearts lose this one. I think the draw is the worst that we get. I'd love to see us win. Um, I am. I'm going to go a draw. I'm going to go a one-one draw. Shankland. You? Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm feeling optimistic about this. You know, I, I don't know if Rangers' famous last words under Michael Beale have quite got going yet. Um, I saw the highlights of the game against St Johnson. I thought they were very fortunate with some decisions that went against St Johnson in that one. Um, I've watched a couple of their games under Michael Beale and I haven't been overly convinced. I think they're there to be got at. I, a, a lot will come down to how Robbie approaches it. I hope he approaches it in a positive sense. And yeah, I think I think we're going to win. I'm going to go. I'm going to emulate Robbie's final game as Hearts manager first time and go two 0 And I'm going to go Shanklin as well. I know we didn't say, it, but I'm going to go Shanklin. Okay. By the way, we've scored one goal against Rangers in nine and a half hours. That's embarrassing. Well, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna score two on Wednesday. We're gonna so. score we're gonna score two in ninety minutes. That's yes. what football's all about. Jerry, what you got for us? Give us some positivity with the the pick the result and pick a scorer. So that so the last game at uh Tynecastle was a disaster. Uh but the game at Ibrox, 
I thought was was really close, and it just looked like we were we were five percent short in terms of self belief, and and I think the the confidence in the team and the form is completely different now, and I don't think Rangers are firing on all cylinders, so I'm I'm going to go for a repeat of my my first season ticket game uh, <laughs> scoreline, so I'm going to go two one two one Hearts, uh, and and I'm going to say. Kent, Kent will open it, and then we'll come back with Shankland and the and the winner from from Garan Kuehl. Oh, nice! I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, well, uh, hopefully, Jerry or myself are right. Uh, I'd take Mark's result if you gave it to me right now. Well, would, either, would either of you take a point right now? If, if I said to you, you, "Don't have to play the game; you can get a point," it's, I would. Yeah, but just for momentum, because that'd be eleven unbeaten. Yeah, and it's Rangers, but it's kind of boring, isn't it? To just take a point. Jerry, you taking a point if I give you it right now? I suppose so. It is Rangers, but do you know what? Let's let's just fuck it. Let's go for it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Title episode. <laughs> fuck it. Let's go for it. Now I'm not. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us, Jerry. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you for having me, Jerry. And thank you. And hopefully, we'll, I'll, I'll see you around Tyne Castle, maybe post-game. You can loosen the tie a little bit and, and get a beer in. It's maybe not cans at the back of the bus, but it's about as close as you'll get. It, it, now, you're a, now you're a board member. Ch- champagne in the boardroom, Laurie, given, given our, 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 our his years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go with the champagne flutes, but I'll maybe get some beer in them. Just that's the compromise. Thank you to Jerry for joining us. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, Hearts have already won and you're like, yes, spot on. Jerry and Laurie had it right. Um, Whatever happens, we'll be back next week to discuss that. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Scarves Around the Funnel.